segment you've all been waiting for. The Forum at 8 with Sakina Kamwendo on AM Live. The Forum at 8 with Sakina Kamwendo. It's eight minutes after eight, and of course it is that time. And this morning, our focus is on the Gambia. Now, Gambian President Yahya Jame has declared a 90-day state of emergency a day before his official mandate ends. The country's president-elect, uh, Adama Barrow, remains in neighboring Senegal until his expected inauguration tomorrow over security concerns. Now, there have been threats of uh, military intervention should President Jame refuse to step down and thousands of people are already leaving the country and thousands more are planning to leave. And uh, for more on this, uh, we are now going to cross over to Kumi Naidu as promised yesterday uh, because uh, Kumi Naidu is uh, the uh, launch director for Africans Rising and he's currently leading a delegation uh, to meet with key stakeholders uh, who are all looking to urge President Yahya Jame to accept the results of the December election. Uh, Kumi Naidu, thank you once again for your time. Thank you very much. And we also have with us uh, Fatu um, Senior, who is a regional director um, for Article 29. Unfortunately, uh, can't seem to establish that particular uh, line. And uh, Ifoma Charles uh, Monwuba is interim country director for Action Aid in Senegal. Ifoma, thanks for your time as well. Thank you. Good morning. So just looking at what's happening in the Gambia. So there we were in December last year and uh, everybody quite in awe and and really happy to see that uh, the the peaceful election. Uh, Everybody seemed to be agreed that it was free, it was fair, it was transparent. And then we had uh, President uh, Yahya Jame coming out and uh, magnanimously, you know, congratulating Adama Barrow uh, on his victory during that election. But of of course, it didn't take long for all of that to go horribly south uh, with uh, President uh, Yahya Jame making a U-turn and almost uh, unilaterally annulling the elections. And then uh, with all of these things happening, Adama Barrow, the president-elect, then moves to Senegal amid the security fears. And yesterday, uh, Yahya Jame declaring a 90-day state of emergency before tomorrow's inauguration, at least the planned inauguration. So, Kuminaidu, you've been in Senegal. What have you managed to make of all of this thus far? Well, um, when we were in Gambia, Ifoma was part of uh, our four-person team um, uh, to Gambia. Uh, what you, you know, f- first I should say, when you enter Gambia on Saturday, there's a false sense of normality. Uh, for example, when you arrived at the airport, there wasn't a major military presence or military presence on the streets and so on. However, one of what we found from talking to a range of stakeholders as well as um, meeting with the coalition, which uh, the president-elect's coalition spokesperson, uh, there was still a cautious optimism that negotiations might yield a positive result and the president-elect uh, Adama Barrow would be able to be inaugurated on uh, Thursday. But I guess the news yesterday of the state of emergency changes everything. However, just to give you a sense of what is the reality on the ground mm-hmm. in Gambia. So once you start talking to people, the story is actually quite serious already.
So we've had thousands of people, uh, probably now at least 8,000 people that have left Gambia, primarily for Senegal, uh, Mali, Ghana, and Guinea-Conakry. Secondly, we've had... Are these Gambians uh, that are leaving Kumi? Of course, yeah. Yeah, these are these are primarily uh, Gambians, and then the uh, uh, trend we were seeing: uh, even larger number of people were leaving Banjul, the capital, for rural areas because they thought uh, we saw that if there's going to be major conflict in uh, Gambia, it's going to happen in the capital city. Uh, so what that has meant is that the schooling system right now has virtually collapsed because many teachers have been part of the uh, exodus as well as um, parents are scared to send their children to school. The university is at a standstill. Uh, The health system is straining already because many um, doctors, nurses and other uh, health workers have also been part of the number of people that have been leaving. Uh, There's also been an impact on uh, local business. So, for example, the largest municipality uh, from 1st to the 10th, uh, by the 10th of January every year, they receive about 1,500 business applications. But we are now already on 18th of January and there's been less than 50 applications for, you know, uh, local businesses being set up. So you can see that already the impact is extremely serious. Yesterday, there were Gambians arriving on the Senegalese, one of the Senegalese border crossings, and they arrived with, you know, uh, no um, specific uh, clarity about where they were going to stay and so on. So the levels of fear and anxiety uh, already is very high. And However, the... Mm-hmm. Sorry, go ahead. No, go, go ahead. ahead, Gumi, finish your point. No, no. So, so in our meeting with the President-elect's uh, coalition, um, there was, uh, this was now two days ago, uh, the coalition was still maintaining that they were going to do the inauguration in, um, on Thursday on Gambian territory because there's a speculation that technically uh, the, Senegalese, uh, sorry, the Gambian embassy in Dakar is in fact Gambian territory and, and actually could actually be sworn in at the uh, Gambian embassy in Dakar. But at that stage, um, the coalition was saying it will happen on Gambian territory. Uh, But they did say that if needs be, they'll have a plan B, but they were not wanting to talk about a plan B because they were still maintaining that there was a clear result and Mm. the president uh, should step aside. So, so that's the context at the moment, which is quite scary, and it's really unfortunate that the state of emergency has been passed. We're just hearing now that the Britain is called, is evacuating its citizens and so on. So yep. Yep. the situation is very scary and, 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 and something that goes against the optimism that Africans across the continent felt when uh, it looked like uh, President Yami was going to actually respect the election results, uh, as he said, in the early days 
after the elections. Very scary, as you say, Kumi, but also intriguing, because given the election results and um, the proposition that uh, you've just outlined to us is, is a very intriguing one. But what is happening within Senegal? And, 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 and uh, as far as um, uh, Yahya Jame and uh, his legitimacy, I mean, is he still adamant that he is the president and will be beyond tomorrow? Ifoma? Yes, thank you. Um, the president-elect, from what we hear, has the support of the Gambian people. Like Kumi said, um, all through the weekend while we were in Gambia, <clears throat> everyone was resolute that he is their president-elect and they want him to be sworn in tomorrow. And so um, when we met with the coalition spokesperson, that was the same um, impression we got. He did a news conference before our meeting and basically reiterated the fact that the Gambian people have spoken and have given uh, President-elect Barrow their mandate, and that mandate needs to be upheld. So both from the um, President-elect, the coalition, the citizens, everybody is resolute that come Thursday he becomes the president of the Gambia. So it, it, it has to be upheld, but will it be upheld is the question. Because what does this say about um, uh, President uh, Yahya Jame's hold on the Gambia and some of the levers of state? Ifoma? Well, like, yes, like uh, Kumi also mentioned, I remember we took up the um, presidential spokesperson on the speculation we're hearing while in Gambia that since he's in Senegal, that the um, Gambian embassy in Senegal technically is Gambian territory, and that he can actually be sworn in, uh, be, be inaugurated or sworn in as president at the Gambian embassy here in Dakar. Um, I know that we took, there was a direct question to the spokesperson, and he did say that their preferred option would be for that to happen actually in Gambia, but they are open to whatever... Um, would be the next step with the emerging situation. And as we all know, yesterday, the state of emergency was declared. So uh, it might well be that they would take that option of doing that in an embassy. But then, uh, geographically, uh, Senegal basically surrounds Gambia. And so it could, there are various um, borders into Gambia from all parts of Senegal. And so um, nobody really knows what would happen, but like um, we were saying, while we were in Gambia over the weekend, you could see that the people want this change to happen, mm. and so we are, are looking to see what, how that would materialize. The coalition wants it, the people want it, and so um, if they are all resolute about it, I guess they need to be probably be more open to whatever means that would take. Well, it would be all good and well to have the inauguration um, at the Gambian embassy in uh, Senegal. But then what happens from there on in? When does uh, Adama Barrow actually get to go back to the Gambia, Kumi? Well, uh, if he's sworn in as president in the Gambian embassy, which is clearly not optimal and is, you know, not the first prize for a peaceful and smooth transition of power, it means that then as president, uh, he will have to call on the Gambian uh, uh, institutions, including the armed forces, to act in a particular way, 
it gives him the right to uh, invite support from other countries uh, to, to support him and so on. And constitutionally, then, he has the, uh, you know, you would be following the Constitution and would be empowered constitutionally to say, okay, I've been sworn in. I, well, I won the election, I've been sworn in, and now uh, I'm going to ask uh, the Because, you know, when he came to Dakar after the Mali meeting, uh, what was being said is that he will travel to the inauguration with the Senegalese president, right? Uh, now, of course, there's talk, there has been talk that if the president doesn't step down, that uh, ECOWAS, the economic community of West African states, would uh, be exploring the possibility of a military intervention. Now, as uh, Africans Rising for Justice, Peace and Dignity, we obviously are desperate for a peace trans peaceful transition, but we also, you know, ideally don't want to see a military intervention. But, uh, un you know, yesterday there was already uh, rumors that uh, a Nigerian warship is on its way to the Gambia, uh, to Gambian waters. And so, you know, uh, the situation clearly is escalating. Mm. And 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 uh, I, I mean, just for your listeners, maybe I can just say something about the geography of Gambia. So, firstly, uh, but before Gambia, you d uh, tell us about the geography, you you explain ECOWAS's position. What is the AU's position on what is currently happening there? So, the AU has said uh, four days ago that as of tomorrow, they will not recognize President Jame as the um, president of Gambia. So. Uh, the AU will withdraw its current recognition of him and will treat him as a rebel. Um, the same position has been taken by ECOWAS uh, and uh, various international bodies, UN and so on, are all aligned to that. So the current president is seriously isolated now. And what, you know, you know if you take... The position of, say, like of uh, Gaddafi in Libya, uh, you know, the writing was on the wall that, in fact, you know, whatever our positions are on what happened there, and many of us have misgivings out the Western powers intervened and so on. But, uh, you know, it was clear the writing was on the wall that, that what would made most sense was for him to leave the country. There were options being looked at. But he went for a scorched earth policy and stuck it out and ended in the way that it ended. Uh, why, why I was wanting to give you just a sense mm -hmm. of the country of Gambia because it'll, I think, help give a sense of what the situation is. Firstly, you know, we're talking about a population under 2 million. Uh, secondly, we're talking about a geographically most unique country, pretty much completely, as Ifoma said, surrounded by um, uh, Senegal, but not like Lesotho, you know, which is completely landlocked by South Africa. The Gambia does have access to the Atlantic Ocean, so it's it's largely surrounded, but it it has that access to the uh, uh, to, to the sea, uh, and uh, its armed forces, uh, you know, are not uh, substantial in number. We hear different figures, but we're talking, you know, uh, about eight thousand is one figure, but there are sort of other 
uh, informal armed forces, if you want, that might be in play. So, you know, if there was, for example, a military uh, intervention by ICAWAS, it is unlikely that the Gambian security forces would withstand that. And the important thing is the Gambian military is divided. There is an elite faction that is, as you know, that is very loyal to the uh, outgoing president. Uh, but uh, you know, we, you know, if we do not have some sanity from the defeated presidential candidate, uh, then I'm afraid uh, it seems that ECOWAS, uh, if they're also wanting to show that they are a serious regional intergovernmental organization that says does what they say, then you know I have to say very regrettably, it looks right now that. ECOWAS military intervention is looking sadly more and more likely. Ifoma, are there any presidents, any countries that actually support Yahya Jame? Well, uh, unfortunately, in this case, none really that um, is coming out to support him. Um, everybody around him, uh, the West African bloc, the AU, everybody is saying to him, it is time to, to leave. He's been there 22 years, and um, the people of Gambia, for once, have really had a fair um, and free election and have spoken very clearly. Um, over 61% of the vote cast were for the opposition in terms of uh, Barrow and the other independent candidates. So it's a very clear mandate that the people have given and uh, all around him, nobody is actually um, stepping up to say they support him to stay back in office. Kumi indicated that the military is divided. So is there any real chance of the Gambia uh, de- uh, dis- uh, integrating and deteriorating into a situation of civil war? No, I don't, um, I don't think it would get to that. The population size is less than 2 million. Their military, I don't think, have experience in um, conflict. They were more like um, um, maintaining law and order kind of military and not uh, trained for combatants and prolonged combatants, unless it brings in mercenaries to sustain uh, a protracted uh, military conflict. I don't think uh, they would. And also the sense we got while in Gambia over the weekend is that apart from his elite force, around him, who also as concerned as he is about what happens to them if they should hand over. The larger part of the military supports the people's mandate. And so um, I really don't think that this is going to be a protracted one. I'm actually hoping for the women and children of Gambia that it doesn't become a protracted one. But for it to be protracted, that means he brings in uh, mercenaries to sustain that. The way the Gambian military is at the moment, I don't think they have the capability to sustain protracted conflict. Where would the mercenaries come from? Well, that we would not know. Um, West Africa, we've not um, been uh, the most stable of places. We've had conflicts in countries in the West African coast, Liberia, uh, Sierra Leone, Ivory Coast. So I'm sure there might be people floating around. But then um, ECOWAS is resolute on ensuring that there is democracy 
um, in the region. And so if ECOWAS decides that they, like Kumi was saying, they need to enforce that, I don't think um, they will meet any very, very serious resistance we are hoping. Kumi, earlier you spoke about, you know, uh, some options of uh, perhaps offering avenues for asylum. So are there any takers at this point? Yes, in fact, uh, both, the, so firstly, the Nigeria has offered uh, uh, asylum to President Jame, and uh, his wife is Moroccan, and Morocco has also uh, offered uh, uh, asylum. So he's got two offers uh, at the moment. But, you know, it's very important to just remind ourselves that uh, President-elect Adama Barrow did not take a position of vengeance after the mm. elections. He said... Uh, you know, um, as far as he was concerned, uh, what was best interest of um, the Gambian people was to have uh, President Yame, uh, uh, you know, remain in Gambia, receive the presidential uh, privileges and so on. But in the meeting, the reformer and the rest of our colleagues had with the, uh, his spokesperson, uh, we did say, because the consultations we had with Gambian Civil Society, people said that there needs to be closure because in the 22 years that um, President Jame has been in power since he took power through a coup at the age of 29, he's 52 now, and uh, you know, during that time there's been uh, human rights violations, disappearance, torture, uh, Ifoma and I met with a young uh, man whose father had been arrested earlier last year, tortured and killed, and so on. And so, but when we met with them, it was very clear civil society in Gambia saying, we want reconciliation and we want the truth, and uh, however, we do not want the new government to seek vengeance. And President elect Adamo Barrow has taken that same position. However, the speculation is that the reason he changed his mind was partly because internationally and, and also some voices in Gambia were saying there needs to be accountability for the atrocities that were committed during his 22-year period. And so why, for example, the Nigerian uh, asylum option might not be looking too attractive to him because there is a precedent where Charles Taylor um, from Liberia mm. received asylum in um, Nigeria and then, you know, subsequently uh, ended up at the International Criminal Court in The Hague. So, you know, the, the speculation is that that's what, uh, so he's acting very much in a self-protection sort of mode. But I think, you know, the game is up for him. It can only, you know, uh, get worse for him. In fact, in the interest of his own family and his, you know, his self, uh, by him going this route now, he has actually made, I think, himself much more vulnerable uh, because there was a possibility of a truth and reconciliation type uh, process like what we had in South Africa rather than a vindictive, you know, um, uh, a vengeance type of uh, approach. But I think he's through the way he's acted since he's and now the elections and so on, he has taken that option, uh, you know, he has made that option harder for people to actually embrace.
Well, we're talking about the Gambia this morning on the forum at eight, uh, speaking to uh, Kumi Naidu and Ifoma Charles Monwuba. And we'll continue this conversation after the news headlines and we'll also open the lines. 891 is the call-in number. It's your favorite time of the morning. The Forum at 8 with Sakina Kamwendo. Favorite time of the morning on AM Live. Thanks so much for tuning in this morning. We're talking about the situation in the Gambia. Now, uh, tomorrow, uh, we uh, were talking all this week about uh, the uh, inauguration of President-elect Adama Barrow, who is currently in Senegal. But then uh, yesterday, uh, Yahya Jame declared a 90-day state of emergency. And uh, we are discussing that and other issues as well. And the lines are open. Uh, 34701 is the SMS line number. Uh, You can send your messages there, it will cost you one rand. You can also tweet or Facebook us at AM Live on SAFM using the hashtag AM Live, or you can call us on 0891104208 if you have any views uh, that you'd like to share with us on this particular matter. I just want to run through uh, some of the comments that have come through uh, for our guest, uh, Ifoma and Kumi. Major General says if Jame can't relinquish the uh, power peacefully, he must be removed forcefully and he must learn to respect voters' wishes. Calvin Mbiza says he's still insisting that he's going nowhere while the public has spoken through the ballot. Uh, and it's really sad. I feel for the vast majority of Gambian people who are forced to flee the country because of political instability. Nkosing Pilengkunu says the fact that this guy has been in power for 22 years is problem number one. And that should have been dealt with a long time ago. Uh, Jame is letting Gambians down. In fact, he's letting down the whole continent we need a democratic Africa. Uh, Simon Bere says the AU intervening strategically. Well, all the best. Uh, Bungu Mzumara says, uh, does the AU have any contingency plan in place for the Gambia? Kakisho says uh, the AU is toothless. I normally hear politicians tossing, uh, tossing punchlines like African solutions for African problems. Well, uh, we'll see. Revolutionary Common says uh, we are seeing the African big man syndrome. Either they don't want to give up power or they push their relatives to take over. As Piwo says, uh, you can't really blame Jame. He's learned the staggery from others, uh, Museveni, Kagame, Kabila, Bia, who amended constitutions to stay in power longer. Uh, Tuanelo Sefoloko says, this, uh, these African leaders, um, are all just power hungry. And then, uh, at Moyo Manala says, when, uh, when to deserve your people becomes a when to serve your people becomes a lust for greed. Um, the office of the president loses its meaning. The voice of the AU is found wanting here uh, with regard to the Gambia. It's painful what is happening there, and uh, this uh, spills over to the region, uh, making the burden heavier for both Gambians and their neighbors. And uh, Trump is a bad president-elect, but transition of power from one president to the other is smooth. So what is wrong with Africa? Kahiso uh, um, says uh, President Barrow must just uh, use power vested upon him by the masses and command the armed forces removed uh, Jame. Uh, Wandi Lemtana says African leaders don't want to accept defeat and are prepared to put their people's lives at risk to benefit themselves. And Prince uh, Rulashe says... I don't know why African leaders want to hold on to power uh, like it is their inheritance. 
this is unacceptable. I just want us very quickly, uh, Kumi, to touch on uh, the question there. There was a question um, about the impact that this is having on uh, the region, and especially one would uh, think in this instance on Senegal. Well, today uh, Ifoma and I will be hosting a meeting of uh, Senegalese civil society um, uh, to begin the pro- uh, process now of looking at how we, uh, amongst other things, support uh, civil, uh, uh, support our Gambian brothers and sisters who are having to leave. Uh, it's, uh, you know, the costs associated for a family to, to, you know, leave lock, stock, and barrel, or even if they did it on a temporary basis, is, is tremendous. You know, it's not as if the people of Gambia are, you know, wealthy and have resources and so on. So the impact on... Uh, Senegal, I think, is the greatest, but also uh, other countries are receiving uh, people who are fleeing. So, so, you know, that puts a strain on all the countries where people are seeking to find uh, refuge. Uh, but also, you know, uh, we were so pleased as Africans all over the continent when we had a peaceful transition of power in Nigeria. You know, that was also a close election and so on. And we, we need examples from the continent. You know, if you look at what your listeners are saying, you know, most of those comments are absolutely spot on um, that uh, they, there is this uh, fixation with power and uh, almost, uh, you know, and, and, and I want to make a general comment perhaps, you know, for the whole continent. I mean, there's a mentality issue here. Many of our political leaders do not actually see themselves as servants of people. We, we need servant leadership, right? What we have is more people want, uh, leadership, leaders want to be treated as kings and queens or even gods. And, and, and that uh, mentality needs to, to break. Uh, then the other impact, I should say, is economically. Uh, you know, uh, the, uh, for example, Gambia is one of the most popular tourist destinations uh, in the region. But, of course, if some of the people who come to Gambia are also, you know, going to other countries, so it doesn't only impact on uh, tourism in Gambia, it also impacts uh, on, the, on the region. Uh, I'm just seeing a report now that uh, um, Thomas Cook is uh, flying back about 1,000 uh, five thousand British, uh, British, British tourists. Yeah, yeah, and and so you know, and, and and the sad thing is, you know, when something like this happens, it takes time for people to get confidence again, you know, to feel comfortable to come back. So already, the stance taken by uh, President Yahya Jame has had a negative impact, and he has made uh, you know what was a bad situation really worse. Uh, but uh, Ifoma, who is from West Africa, uh, probably has a better sense of the full impact uh, on the region. So uh, I'd love to hear what she has to say. I would too. Uh, Ifoma, I'm just going to ask you to hold on to that because I want to take this call from Edward, uh, of, rather from Temba in Port Elizabeth. Good morning, Temba. Good morning, Sakina. And, and your guest, I'm not going to take much of your time, but I think of today, I think of Lauren Bagbo who's languishing in prison in Europe. Why do I think of him? Yaya decided, uh, and his country decided to hold free and fair elections. 
and he conceded defeat. But you know what is as has caused the, the mayhem now? Those who he de- de- deposed of power 22 years ago, they decided to call for him to face the music. They decided to call for him to be imprisoned after he has conceded power. These calls were made right from here in South Africa. These calls were made from London. These calls were made from Senegal. What would you expect from anyone who defeated anyone in 22 years ago? And that one is now raising his head and calling for justice for him to be imprisoned. I expected this immediately once those called for him to be facing uh, imprisonment. It has to be a settlement. It has to be negotiated so that he people acknowledge that he took power by force from dictatorship and he brought Gambia into democratic dispensation. Of course, it's taken 22 years, but not adversaries should call for him to be imprisoned. Okay, got and you, Timba. And people Tema. are not talking about that. I'll, I'll, we'll get a response to that. Thanks for the call, Timba and Port Elizabeth. Uh, here in Johannesburg, uh, Solly is calling us. Good morning, Solly. Hi, good morning, Sakina and your guest. Uh, Sakina, I'm told that some of or most of African countries, whenever you are the president, then you get ousted maybe via the vote or other means. And then you are on your own. You've got to see how you make an income and all the things. So if the AU can also maybe push to convince most of these countries to put in their constitution that whenever maybe you are no longer a president, at least you've got an income, I think that can help to mitigate these problems because these people, once they have left, I think uh, they find it difficult maybe to have sources of in- meaningful sources of income. Okay. Uh, yo, you don't want to know the questions that have just popped up in my mind around that particular issue, going back also to Kumi's point about servant leadership. But let me uh, defer to Ifoma uh, to respond to that and perhaps also uh, just elaborate on that issue of the regional impact. All right, thank you. Um, and there were some interesting comments from those that called in, but let me uh, respond on the issue about the impact. Um, we've already seen, uh, we were told, Kumi and I, while we were there uh, with the other colleagues on our delegation, that there is massive internal uh, movements happening. So you have internal displaced persons already. People are leaving the greater Banjul area, migrating further inland, to avoid the situation that seems to be uh, becoming a reality now. And so you have that, and we were told specifically that as people are leaving their homes to move inland, their homes are being looted. Their homes in the Banjul area are being looted. So you're already having a loss of income. People are also overstretched because one particular person in the meeting we had on Monday said that he has had to clean out his bank accounts to move his family and make sure they have something, um, some food stock with them while they are up there. And that has put a stress on him, given that January salaries have not been paid. But across the border, into neighboring countries, Senegal, uh, Guinea-Bissau, Guinea-Conakry, Mali, there's also an influx. People are moving out in, into that. We also found the, um, we went to the district, and we were told that in the tourist districts that this time of the year is usually their peak season. But most of the hotels were already complaining that they are not having as much guests as they would. And so that has an impact on their economy 
and the livelihood of the people. But when you look at also the insecurity, I mentioned earlier about the fragile state of the um, general security in the sub-region. Um, you have um, a conflict situation in the north of Mali. There is also the Kazamas area and the um, conflict happening there. And Kazamas, you know, with colonialism, you had Gambia and Senegal. Before colonial times, these are one people. And so people have relatives across Senegal and Gambia. And so by the time you create a conflict situation in the Gambia, you're basically fueling what is happening around the Kazamas region because, you know, things begin to cross across a very fluid and open border and basically further escalates the fragility of the stability of the region. So that's also a huge concern for everybody, given what is happening. And then, of course, return to normalcy. For a country of that um, limited population of less than 2 million, you basically put their infrastructure that is already not even up to the level that it should be. You put it at risk as well. But um, I'm particularly also concerned about the women and the children. They did not ask for this. Uh, they've not really been in power. It's not clear that for 22 years women got to be in positions of authority and all of that. But they're now going to be the ones to suffer by the time they're going to lose their husbands, their sons to military conflict and then uh, also get to be raped and all the other things that come with military conflict. And, of course, the children, you begin to have malnutrition and other things that come with it. So it's really not a situation that uh, anybody would want to have developed further than where it is right now. And um, uh, just uh, running through some of the questions here, but before I do, let me just hear from um, Muindu in Hilbra. Muindu, good morning. My call. You are welcome. I, yeah, I would like to react first to what Mr. Temba said. He said that uh, Mr. Jame took power and then he brought the country into democracy, even if he, it took long for him to, to, to do so. I would like to tell him that the population is living in a huge, huge poverty. Is that what we want to do? Is just organize the election and then you go back to your 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 better economic situation? No, it cannot be like that. If you go to that to West Africa, all the people who are crossing to go try to go to Europe. Most of people who are guiding them through the desert, the Sahara Desert, are originally from from Gambia. Gambia citizens. They are risking their lives because the economic situation is not good. They just try the best to, to get something from those who are trying to cross the desert to go to Europe to, to, to feed their family back home. And he said that, yeah, Jame, those who were overthrown by, over by uh, Jame want him to go to jail. The president who was overthrown then was uh, Mr. Dauda Jawara. Since then, I've never heard from him anymore. Until today, I monitor the continent every day through different radio stations, Francophone radio station, who talks about Africa every day, every day, many times a day. I never heard about uh, Dauda Jawar. I heard that he was just reduced by Yaya uh, Jame and his guys 
to zero, to zero. Reason why you don't hear from him. So I would like to tell Mr. Temba that what he has said is coming from his mind. It is only, it's not the truth. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much, Mwindu um, in Hillbrow. Castro in Daviton, good morning. Good morning, Sakina, how are you? Well, and you? Good, good. Uh, Sakina, you know, I, I, I think as Africans and black in general, we really need to unite and, and, and try by all means to sort our problems because of, I think, Western media or those whose agenda of the Western countries uh, have mastered a plan that that today is, is really benefiting them because of when you look at the issues of uh, the Quadessa negotiations and everything, they, those that were encouraged and sponsored by the London, uh, white people were left with a lot of things in terms of uh, wealth and economy, and including the privileges. But when you look at how our leaders in Africa uh, I, I, I mean, for instance, the issue. I'm sorry, the, the issue of, uh, of 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 uh, that the, the the president of uh, of, 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 of 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 Sudan. Uh, when you look at those uh, discussions and how the the, 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 the the Africans are now taking the the the, the criminal courts uh, criminal court uh, directions or rather withdrawing from the criminal court. Uh, simply because of the agenda, it, it really says to us, we we, we, we need to form our own uh, 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 bodies. And I'm, I'm I'm glad that the AU seems to be in the right direction because of Al Jamid is doing all these things because of he was he was promised imprisonment. Just imagine if you were to to release to relinquish power, uh, well you know that you are going to to to, to imprison and they are going to prison, and the issue of the economy, like the other, the other caller have said, really we need to look at those things. When the, the apartheid government leaves government, uh, uh, I mean, not, the breakthrough of 1994 have left the declares of this world with uh, certain privileges, the, the, with the PW portals of this world, so despite the crimes against humanity. I, I, I really need to encourage us blacks to try by all means to find a way of, 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 of relinquishing power without, without uh, this uh, battle. I think thank you Castro let's uh, let Kumi respond to that Kumi firstly I, I, I agree that um, there is a lot of foreign manipulation and um, and interests that are being pursued that's not new uh, but let's be blunt about it many of our governments and leaders are actually in uh, you know are victims sometimes without having a backbone of putting themselves in that situation. Uh, your caller says the AU is in the right direction. I think that's correct to a certain extent if you look at the words that the AU says. But, uh, <laughs> but I don't know whether your listener knows that, in fact, the African Union actually is funded by the European Union and other foreign forces. Our leaders uh, c- can find money for, you know, mansions in rural areas and uh, military expenditure and so on, but they cannot find the resources to actually ensure that the African Union can run without a dependency on foreign money. It's pathetic, right? Uh, but to, your, to Temba and the example around Lauren Bagbo, which was the president in Ivory Coast, there's another lesson we can take from that. Lauren Bagbo could have left peacefully, he would not be sitting in the 
Hague right now, primarily sitting there for the atrocities that was committed after the election results uh, and the deaths that occurred after that, and that's why he probably will spend his last days in The Hague, uh, you know, instead of being back home in Africa. So, but, but the one thing that I, I worry about is we must break this thinking that winning an election and becoming a president or becoming uh, any other senior minister or political leader is like winning a jackpot or winning a lottery. That once that happens, then you are entitled to, uh, you know, uh, huge amounts of state money to maintain your upkeep and so on. And we have to, that's why I use the term servant leadership, we have to get leaders on our continent who have a mentality that they are not there for their families, their friends, and their cronies, and for accumulating as much wealth as they can and ensuring that when they leave, they, they, they live you know, extravagant lives. But how I mean, do we do that, Kumi? Because we know that is true by and large. Here's a comment from uh, Chris Nwayo who says, it's what has become of Africa. Her leaders are gradually becoming rulers, and it is transcending to the diaspora as well. Uh, well, you know, the short answer how we do that is with extreme difficulty. Uh, but even though it's difficult, the people of Africa, the women of Africa, the children of Africa, who suffer most when these kinds of male-dominated uh, adventures get played out, deserve a leadership that, recognizing, uh, that recognizes that Africa as a continent is so vulnerable right now. We are the most climate-threatened continent. We are seeing parts of our continent being depopulated as a result of climate impacts that are happening now. We need to recognize that the inequality levels on our continent, and globally, of course, is totally unacceptable. And so um, we cannot continue to be locked into this um, uh, sort of incremental tinkering, sticking with the systems that don't work. And so if there's something positive that can come out of the tragedy we're seeing now in Gambia is that more and more Africans must now, uh, and we cannot put our faith in our political leaders alone. Civil society organizations, trade unions, faith organizations, uh, social movements, youth movements, and so on, as we are seeing as part of Africans Rising, are stepping forward and saying, we want to be part of the conversation, and that's what we need to see. I think, as ordinary African citizens, we must recognize, if we don't step up and hold our governments accountable, say that your level of performance is pathetic, it's unacceptable, and we will not tolerate this level of inefficiency, then we as citizens also must carry a certain amount of the responsibility. So Maybe. now is the time for people to stand up and be counted and to share the voice and to uh, explore better ways, more creative ways of governance and to ensure that we have good governance on the continent. Just a few um, last messages. Joe in Pretoria says, uh, Jame must go. He was defeated in an election. In the case of Gaddafi, greedy Western powers killed him and destroyed Libya. Eddie Tuabala in Udendalsra says, the Gambian defeated president must give newly elected president space. Until when will we be going to be led by people who are obsessed with power? It is my prayer that there are no assassinations as seen in the history of Israel and Judah. Hashtag new leaders madness.
Uh, Jihule says, Gambia's case is a reason why African countries must be signatories to the ICC. Ivan says, why do African leaders cling to power? Because as another famous criminal, Dillinger said, uh, that's where the money is. And a final one from Oberton Alexis says, there is no democracy in some of these African countries and dictators are really cruel. Well, uh, that's unfortunately where we're going to have to leave it. Ifoma Kumi, thank you so much. And we'll follow up with you guys tomorrow, given that that is the date for the inauguration, uh, just to see how things are progressing, whether that inauguration will take uh, place at the Gambian embassy in Senegal or whether there are any other developments between now and then. Thank you so much, Ifoma Charles Monuba, Interim Country Director, Action Aid in Senegal, and uh, Kumi Naidu, uh, the, the Launch Director of Africans Rising. And uh, Kumi is currently leading a delegation to meet with key stakeholders uh, to try and urge President Yahya Jame to accept the results of the 2016 elections and also to try and broker a peaceful transition of power to uh, President-elect Adama Barrow by tomorrow. So we'll check in again with them tomorrow to hear if there are any further developments. With that, it's nine o'clock. Thank you so much to everybody who sent messages, who called, and of course to the production team.